Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Pete Sampson with Tim Priester and Jim O'Malley. A couple days after Syracuse, uh, we saw a lot of changes, um, some schematic, but mostly I just thought it was a personnel. I mean, and they really put a lot of faith in guys who had either barely played or never played, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I, I think you sort of come out of come out of that trip to New York thinking, okay, there's some things to build on for the future. Are there things to build on for the present? Maybe, maybe not. But the future, I think, definitely, for sure. Yeah, you're going to have to be more aggressive with your young defensive backs as the season progresses. But I thought that they did a... I, I thought that there was a lot of scheme, a quality scheme, in terms of protecting your young defensive backs and putting them in a keep-the-ball-in-front situation. And then over the course of 60 minutes, they did a variety of things with you know a lot of three-man front. They used more four-man front. They brought more off the edges as the game went on. Um I thought they had a really, really good game plan for Syracuse. I don't know how that necessarily applies to a lot of your future opponents, but the game plan for what Syracuse did was really, really good. I would continue. I, I think that is to be the game plan. I think Norton's going to score forty points most weeks, so keep everything in front of you and so tackle people. Are you saying that you're saying the game plan in terms of rotating guys, the game plan in terms of playing three three five all the time? What what I, game plan are you looking at? I mean I'm I'm talking about I do I like the second half defense of keeping of settling in and keeping things in front of you. Because you look they I mean they just can't challenge that many things yeah. athletically downfield with the safeties. They cannot. Maybe the corners no. can as they get as they get going, but I think not not a three three five all the time. That I mean Stamper would run through them. But, but you know what? Miami? <laughs> We're not saying USC, that we yeah, want them yeah. to run three. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, but you can, I mean, you can use it as we, no, joke, but, as we joke with the nickel has got intended. No, you but, can against, do it. <laughs> but against this opponent, yeah. it made, it made it sense. Did. So throughout the fronts, so I'm not talking that drilling down schematically. I'm talking about an overall approach to playing a lot of players. Because it's, I think Kelly's right that you can't play these guys 50 snaps because they can't do it. Right. Play a lot of players and play conservative, play, keep it in front of you and attack when you have them on third down. Yeah, I mean, I even thought, like, watching the second half, guys look gassed. Playing 25 play, Playing 50 snaps. Um, so it does make you look like, wait a minute, why were they playing guys 85? You know what was shocking was to see how many snaps there were without Isaac Rochelle in the lineup. There I mean, were some. Like, there were yeah. some, which was shocking. I, I, there were, well, Isaac said he played, he thought he played about 60-some, and there were 88 Probably snaps. So. And I think, having gone through the game, I think that that sounds about right. I didn't count a mule. You'll be try- yeah. You'll be good luck with that. That's yeah, going to be a challenge for it's you. It's a hoot. Um, yeah, I, I remember I asked Rochelle after the game. I'm like, "Did you get plays off today? Because I, I think that you did." And he's like, "Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I loved it." Um, so I think when you're getting buy-in from the older guys, I don't think it's necessarily automatic about like playing less is a good thing. But when you're getting that, I think that sort of is 
a good, I don't know, sort of mentality to have. When for you the, play the as roster. many snaps as that dude's played in the last two <laughs> yeah. years in the first four games, I, I'm I'm sure it's very welcome. I will say one thing to correct myself: they're going to start scoring forty points a game after these next two games. <laughs> so they do need to. There's going to have to be some tweaks. They won't score forty in a true road game against NC State because there's going to be scuffles no. in the running game. And Stanford just have to be the wildest game ever for that to happen. They're not going to do that either. So, but going down the line, you can count on so much offense that if you can take one of these two games defensively, you can play that way. And, and just another reason why Rochelle had more plays off is when you're in a three-man front, Tillery plays an end, so that allowed you know, Tillery and Bonner to be playing uh, ends a good portion. And we saw of the Jay time. Hayes. He plays football and like we thought he might, yes. and he can play hard, and he's excited about it, and it's strange to see out there. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a positive development. Um, you know, Dante Vaughn, I think, continues to make a lot of really nice progress. Um, uh, Studstill was okay. Fertitta was way more than serviceable. I mean, he, I had him at 43 snaps in the second half, which was the most of any defender. Which And Troy Pride was second, which I, I was shocked by both of those things. I thought Pride was... Not noticeable in the best possible way. Right, like right. I couldn't tell you one thing that he did. I only had him being targeted once in the second half. So I think the scheme has look. You have to protect your safeties, which is just difficult to do in college yeah. football. Uh, and you got young corners, but I think some of the the changes you're going to see more targets at Morgan, more targets at Martini, more targets at Bilal. Uh, Coney. Well, especially think, if they're not going to press at the I line, which they didn't fine. do with the corners. I mean, that's, I, I, I think when you see your linebackers targeted more in the passing game, that's a good sign because you're protecting your safeties. It's a, it's sort of a weird place to be. And those guys were. That's where I they mean, have to be. Those Coney and Morgan were incredibly aggressive. I thought Martini played his his most consistent game. Um, missed the tackle on the long kick return, um, but no, they they did a good job for Tita. I mean, you know, Fertitta's not very big. He's not He's not very fast, but he's aggressive. He'll mix it up. And I thought he did a good job, um, uh, you know, in place of stud still. I, I guess I agree with the stud still call by the letter of the law, the intent. Uh, I mean, Brock Heward spelled it out really well. Brock Heward spelled out a lot of things really <laughs> well uh, during that game, including the, the the lack of defensive ability on the field uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I yeah, it's I, I kind of wondered if Eric Dungey sort of like it was uh, almost a dive in soccer uh, where he gets he's like holding his head like oh and then oh I'm fine I'm good ready yeah. to play like if you really get targeted and you have a head injury you come out of the game. So usually. what's to prevent a guy from immediately doing Nothing. that all the time? Now, I mean, that's kind of the blueprint. I thought, I thought the same thing. It didn't look like it was a real yeah. sharp blow to the head. Yeah, it was I, I, on the long list of targeting calls that have oh. gone against Notre Dame. It would be in the second half <laughs> yeah. of, like, oh, that's legit. Um, Notre Dame offensively, I thought, was quite funky. Uh, and look, Syracuse's secondary is god-awful. Um, that was his as we've bad seen, as you're going to see, We've though. seen some bad secondary yeah. play this year, yeah. and that was the worst. Cordell Hudson is the worst <sighs> defensive back I've ever seen play against Notre Dame. My favorite moment of the game was when Notre Dame was still huddling up, and Equinemius St. Brown ran out there to line up against him. <laughs> Come on, run the play! It was like he was calling dibs or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, I got, um, EQ, that's how you're supposed to be. Yeah, it is. It's cool. I'm going to stay right over here. I, I, I wonder, like, you know, is, is a lot of this going to be repurposed later in the year probably not because defenses are just going to be way better than that um sort of the, the inside post i guess dig route type stuff 
that's a real staple of the offense in a way that it hasn't been the last few years, which is kind of interesting. Um, but Kaiser Kaiser's game, like if you could have like an off game throwing for four hundred seventy one no, really yards, it kind of did. I don't think I you said that in our instant analysis after the game, and a lot of times I have a hard time just judging what the quarterback did until I sit down and, and watch the game again. And I agree with what you said in the instant analysis. I mean, he was he was scattered, and Kelly said some things about you know trying to force things at the at the end of the first half. And he really did. He really that. did. Yeah, I mean, he, he he really did. So you know, I mean, he lived off a lot of those those big plays early. Yeah, he could have had another one to Stefferson. I yeah. think he, oh, he now his second his like second touchdown yards. pass to St. Brown was just absolutely oh, yeah. perfect. There were, there was some really really <laughs> nice stuff for him. We're too. not saying he had a poor game. No. We're saying he had a poor game for some of the three for 400 and yeah. yards and three yeah. touchdowns. He could have thrown for 550. Well, could, he should have broken the record. He broke the record, Notre Dame program record in a win. That was a nice thing yeah. to have, and he was glad to hear that post-game, it seemed. He, yeah. oh, really? he, 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 he lightened up that, when yeah. I mentioned that. But yeah. it's, I think we bring that up in the sense of, like, when your defense is sort of where Notre Dame's is right now, you, you're going to need Kaiser to have a more perfect game than he did to beat NC State or Stanford because there's going to be moments when you're up 10 where you need to go up by 17. Yes. Because your defense is going to give well, up a couple touchdowns. They're going to have trouble running this weekend. Yeah. There's very, very little doubt about that. And, and that, that to me, that's the one, that's the really disconcerting thing about the offense that, you know, they just didn't have, I, I touched upon in the tail of the tape this week. I mean, they just didn't have a hat on hat, as the football coaches like to say, at, at the goal line, you know, when they needed some push. And, you know, you got Quentin Nelson leading Kaiser on the on the nine yard run or eight yard run to the two, and he he didn't he didn't whiff on the corner, but mm-hmm. he, he didn't beat the corner, and you've got to be able to do that. Plus, Notre Dame's running, you know, they're running sideways on the goal line. Yeah, that's, and that, that's that, frustrating. That that, t- that tells you where they are with their running game. Uh, Dexter Williams run worth mentioning because it was awesome. Um, I mean, it was like just video game stuff. I took a screenshot of it just so I could see like. 10 of the 11 Syracuse players had an angle on him. <laughs> he still scored. Uh, that was fairly ridiculous. I, I want, you know, there was, we weren't sure, I think, at the game time what was up with Torian Fulston. Brian Kelly said he sprained his ankle on Thursday last week, so he was out. I don't really know who Notre Dame's best back is anymore. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not Fulston based on what we've seen from Williams. But I'm not so sure that Williams isn't, ahead of Josh Adams either um with especially if they're gonna run the way that they run like I think Dexter Williams can take like the slow developing horizontal stuff and really hit it whereas I think Josh Adams is more your vertical threat yeah I think Williams is the best at creating something out of nothing yeah and, and I feel like they have to do that more than I thought that they would yeah that that's more of a skill that's necessary than I was expecting so I'm two for 100 in August calls. Yes, that's good. <laughs> Mr. Williams, best back on the team. Um, and we should probably touch on special teams because that was, I mean, it was it was a mixed bag, but like a better version it of was. a mixed bag. I, like, it, in fact, I think I graded them too well. I didn't grade them like Tim did, but I, I think I what gave did them, I gra- what, what was my I grade? Was that was C minus. I thought it was like a strength of the game because well, I, Sanders turned the game around. I would have gotten more like a B. But the, I, that's what's it's yeah. that's yes. what's hard you to put a grade on those aspect kind of things it. because you yeah. gave up. You a were all, you, well, and you get there was a second part return of thirty eight yards. Right. With, of all people, Claypool missed the tackle, yeah. but there was nobody there to make the play. 
You missed a field goal. It's hard to put. You know, how do you weigh? Yeah, the positives like, for you and negatives yeah, for like the how, other team. Like how valuable was the yeah, return touchdown? Is that like worth a couple great? I don't know. It's but they, I mean, they scored on a block two point conversion. I mean, they they scored nine yeah. points. On, on special teams. Yeah. Plus, if they scored 12 points on special teams. They missed a field goal that they didn't need, but you can't say they didn't need it when you're grading it because you have to grade everything. So I understand how. The punt return allowed was huge. It kind of offsets the game. Yeah, yeah. kind of well, it was, the it was under a minute to go in the first half. Yeah, it, was, it got back was in the game. worst possible time. Yeah. It's, I guess, well, they lowered the bar. Uh, yeah. Against Texas, Michigan State, and Duke on special teams, yeah, and they like, raised it against. And I don't know if like do, do they get credit for the missed field goal that Syracuse had? I like, I feel I, like Jerron Jones was like, I'm in your head. Yeah, yeah probably. I'm in your head. I when I when I rate it, I have to include that because okay. that is a positive in Notre Dame's favor. Sure. Special teams, not boring. No, and I, 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 I mean it, start, it, really, it started with the opening kickoff when the three tight ends were as soft as they could possibly be, which then created C.J. Sanders tiptoeing up. That's how they yeah. started the game. They had a tiptoe kick return to start the game. Yeah. Do you right. think they evaluate ever all 10? It's interesting because Chris Fink was put in the kickoff coverage unit, so obviously they're evaluating a little bit there. Yeah. And it's not Fulston, although Fulston did cover kicks a little bit, but I'm trying to figure out, do they evaluate all other 10 blockers on kick return do you think that's something that they really do because i don't think they would keep the three tight ends if they do it you know you'd hope that they would i would hope they would too but does nick coleman be evaluated on kickoff coverage because and punt coverage because duke's Mm -hmm. touchdown was directly through him as you noted on the punt return he missed the dead to rights tackle pretty far downfield that claypool had to make you're gonna I, i wonder if they really do drill down and think everybody has to have everybody has to be doing this properly because they have guys like Claypool and Dexter Williams that are doing a great job doing it. But yeah, it doesn't matter if others don't. Yeah, I wonder if like you could move Boykin around a little bit. Right. Like, are you better off like instead of the tight ends, are you better off with like a Claypool Boykin? Right. That they type can of move move and get out there and look, Claypool should just never come off the field. <laughs> I mean he, he 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 just shouldn't. And I have a question. Why would your starting tight end Call for a fair catch on the 28-yard line on a kickoff when there's nobody within 10 yards of you. You are the starting tight end at Notre Dame. Why are you calling up? He knows his limitations. Probably. Oh, He's come not going on. Jeez, I, don't I, mean, know. I don't know if they're going to do that. Maybe they don't want him to do anything. I can understand if if Matuska. Sure. Matuska? Matuska. Matuska. Yeah, I would understand <laughs> if Matuzak would, would, would call for a fair catch. But why Durham Smythe? I just I don't understand his frame of mind. He also caught a pass in front of the the uh, uh, Syracuse sideline, and just let the guy bump him out of bounds. Why? You're the starting tight end at Notre Dame. Why are you not being more aggressive? I just don't understand that. Maybe Chase Claypool should be the starting. Tight end. Maybe he there's should five be. questions later on in this next segment of burning up the boards where we may be addressing something along these lines. All right. Well, let's not talk about them anymore, so we can talk about them. Now. All right. Moving on to segment two, Irish Illustrated Insider. Burning up the boards on Irish Illustrated Insider, starting with a question from Legacy55. After one game, it seems clear that Coach Kelly disagreed with Brian Van Gorder's scheme, game plan, player rotation. How in the name of all these things holy did he, as CEO of this program, allow the former coordinator to continue unchecked for 30-plus games? I don't know. It's I, I am uh, totally on board with this question. I completely agree with Legacy55 that it is an egregious error by Brian Kelly. 
Look, maybe last year he got comfortable with that ridiculous we were 10-3, and three, two plays away argument. Do you know why you didn't have, you had those losses? Oh, Because yeah. of your terrible defense. Yes. It is unbelievable that he just let Van Corder rule it that way after November of 2014, right? That's about the time period we go, you know what? I don't think you can have the autonomy I promised you, assuming he promised him autonomy, and I'm going to have to step in here because this is ridiculous. It, I, I'm also on board this question. I mean, I'm just imagining the goo where Kelly walks up to Van Gorder's office and just, like, is shuffling out the door like, hey, uh, hey PVG, just think we you can play Jay Hayes this weekend. What do you what do you, what do you, what do you think? No. Okay. See you next week. Um, I mean, he's so much more involved in the defense. I mean, I kind of got a kick out of seeing him on the sky on the sideline, like with a whiteboard, and like Greg Hudson is behind him, just sort of observing what's happening. His background is in he's defense. He's running the defense. Um, I think that's an encouraging sign. I do not understand how the players were not rotated at all. I don't understand what they were doing. I, I mean, I wonder if like the first five games were so good that Kelly was like, "Ha ha, everything is everything's fine," and they just sort of rolled with it. Way oh, you mean three a, years ago? Yeah, three years yeah. ago. Not these first <laughs> yeah. five games. Um, yeah, and look, this, this was a change that should have been made last January. I don't. We all sort of kind of felt that way, but maybe didn't come out and like. Oh no, we came on set. Hello. Yeah, we, um, <laughs> but yeah, just it's I don't get it. I don't get it. Leffert's Law. I remember yeah. I mentioned that to you on Saturday. You know what Leffert's I, Law is? Is no. this is a new concept to me, so I you know, it's not like something I'm, you know, can espouse upon. But uh Leffert's Law is it's always your fault. If you're in charge, it's always your <laughs> fault. It's a, everything that goes wrong is your fault. Leffert sounds like a great dude. Yeah. <laughs> um and that's what this is. If your defense is bad, it starts with the guy that's in charge. And I, I don't, I don't understand it either. Sure. To this level, for sure, it was, it was on. It, it sabotaged three seasons. Yeah, it did. It destroyed 2014. It, it ended it, a playoff bid last year, and it has already destroyed this year. I, I wouldn't go as far to say like at the time with the higher like. Like, okay, I get it. Oh, I like the higher. I'm not what oh, they're trying I, to I don't do. want to go that far back. Yeah. I'm just saying it, okay. it, his 14, the collapse of 2014. I mean, do we need to list the point? It was the worst no. defense in the history of Notre Dame football. That's probably the best way of saying it. And I'm not saying that subjectively. I mean in points and touchdowns allowed. Statistically, yes. it was, yes. There were eight games with at least four touchdowns. In yeah. A row? In a row. At the end of the year. In a row. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just like, yeah. The rotation was bad. It was so dependent on like two or three guys being healthy all the time, um, some of which weren't, and just they still couldn't take them off yeah. the field. It was, yeah, it was just a mess. I don't know. It's Legacy 55 is on to something. He else. wins the day. Drew 2000. Is Josh Adams not at full strength? He looked tentative and slow against Syracuse, or just that just described the Irish running game in general? I think that describes the Irish running game in general. I don't I don't think he's hurt like, other than a running back entering his fifth game, but they're not overusing Josh Adams. I mean, that's that's certainly not the case. Uh, you're, I think it's going to look worse this week, too. And I, Tim Preacher's been telling you that for six months because NC State's rush defense is going to look like the Broncos compared to Syracuse. And Notre Dame's going to have to pass to win, and they're going to have to pass to win on the road, and that's a bad combination. Um Dexter Williams and Josh Adams are going to have to create stuff. They're going to have to break more tackles this week. They're going to have to break a lot of tackles. And I do think, Pete, <coughs> that Dexter Williams will get more carries 
this week because Brian Kelly likes the way he breaks tackles. More than Josh Adams? Yeah, more than, he'll get more carries than Josh wow. Adams. Wow. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know about that, but I did. I do I do agree with the question because I did at some point watching the game write down that Josh Adams is playing tentatively. Now, you know, remember the first day in Culver? He, he, he pulled up lame yeah. and he has had his Hamstring, knee. And he's yeah. got a wrap on his knee and... You know, I don't know if that's if that's bothering him or what, but I did think that he played um, a little bit tentatively in this game, and I was I was a little surprised with that. Yeah, I mean, just North Carolina State, thirteenth in the country in rush defense at ninety yards per game. Um, their their average per attempt is not as good as their overall rush defense. Or is more it like, at four? They're thirty fourth, and they're at three point four seven oh, yards per the- carry, which is good, but not like. Stanford, yeah, yeah. type, yeah. Um, and they, they haven't. They have not played anybody. Right, no, right. this is going to be a real tough test for Notre Dame's offensive line, in spite of the fact that North Carolina State right. hasn't played anybody. Right. So it's uh, it's going to be very interesting. Right. Buffalo Irish one. What are your thoughts on Notre Dame's red zone offense coming out of this game? The red zone uh, offense seemed to be a glaring weakness. Just this game. I mean, they were one for three in goal to go situations. Yeah, they, were, they were at 80% going yeah, into they, the game they scoring were, touchdowns. They were goal to go coming into the game. They had scored touchdowns in nine out of 10. Um, they were one for three this time with a field goal. Uh, the really the problem is the, the miss was really bad. Third and goal at the two. They barely gained a yard between Josh Adams and Dexter Williams running sideways, sideways through the lilies and running around like there was. <laughs> No urgency whatsoever to get anywhere near that white line, and the blockers are falling down, and it just looked terrible. <laughs> Is that was... the offensive equivalent of, of the whiz drills the on whiz defense? Drill, yes, but coming—I mean, they're seventy-three percent touchdown percentage, right? It's seventy-four. Seventy-four percent touchdown percentage. That's By that far wins, that wins championships. Yeah, so I mean that's that's, that's a BK era best. It, it was a bad day in the red zone against a bad defense. So yeah. that looked weird. That stop, it, re- it reminded it was... me of Dane Crist uh, sneak in the same stadium against Navy uh, from 2010. Where <laughs> he just didn't like, get an inch. <laughs> yeah, sort of fell down. I do think their, their running game in the red, zo- red zone needs work. Their passing game in the red zone is awesome. So if they can figure out the run game a little bit, and maybe that's just like, hey, it's got to be on Kaiser to solve the run game also in the red zone because that – I don't see them coming up with any great ideas. This was not a defensive front that you thought going in would stop Notre Dame in the red zone from from right. running the ball in. No. But I think it's just the, you know, I think it just goes back to the when you're when you're a spread offense team, you can't just flip the switch with your running game when when you want to when you need to. And I think it showed in this game. But just to put a finer point on that, seventy five seventy four percent. You know, it's five games in, and no one's going to stay at that. But that would be like that's Alabama championship level yeah. production. Yeah. The 80 per, the 80 per, 16 of uh, 20 going into the game, 80%. So. Yeah. North Carolina State, by the way, is at 83% touchdown red zone percentage. But, again, haven't played anybody. Irish Bob, clearly Chase Claypool needs to be on the field more, but where do you play him? It's a great question. Where, I don't know how long you have. Wherever wherever he wants to. <laughs> He's just He is so much fun to watch. Like I, I don't know it doesn't really show up on TV, but just if you're at if you're at the game this weekend or later this year, just watch him cover kickoffs. It's awesome. Everyone else is running in mud, and he's just out there sprinting. He's glistening. I mean, his helmet is shinier. Everything is great. This is, this is my Will Fuller from I know. last year. It's so much fun to watch him play. Uh, I don't. I mean, 
Tight end, defensive end, safety, line, whatever. I have quarterback. Red zone quarterback. It's solved. It's over. Anywhere. I'm enamored with the idea of safety. Now, I don't know whether he can do that or not. It was, and you know, you remember Pete? I mean, when during the recruiting process, it was was like, you know, you saw film of him, and he's a dynamic offensive player. But could he play safety? He's a really good athlete. Yeah. You know, now it's a legitimate question. Yeah, it was, it was always just a competition question. It was like because he was playing North Carolina State schedule. You know, joking aside, going forward, not forward, forward, right now, there is no reason he's not the third down tight end in line. On third and, on, in third, no, in third and passing situations, That's I'm sorry. A good point. Why in the world would he not be your in line tight end? Now remember, the, the catch against Michigan State was in line, 33 yard grab. He did it a little bit this week. We pointed out there's, there's mm-hmm. Claypool. If it's third and seven or more, or third and six or more, any reason it, it should be Chase Claypool, right? That's a good. I mean, it would have been Alizé Jones. Can see a be? moment where like he's going to be an inline tight end on third and long, and the receivers on the outside run some short stuff, and he's just going to freaking tear it right down between the hashes. Yeah, because for yeah, they're probably touchdown. a defense is going to disregard him because he's an inline tight end, and they yeah. wouldn't suspect that that would. He'll go get it in the red zone too. Inline third and goal from the ten. Why was he? Why would he not be in instead of Smythe running a little curl route? I mean, you have to stress the defense, yeah. right? And he chased Claypool. Yeah. So that's it. And then all the special teams. And then I don't know if he can learn safety. Yeah, I'm not saying do it now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't You know, I don't even know if that's realistic. But uh, Can you rush the passer? Well, that has been suggested by... It's I not mean, defensive end, it's rush like, end. It's just rush yeah. the passer. Like, if Notre Dame was playing a 3-4 defense, and you were yeah, was for a stand-up, stand-up guy, yeah. End, yeah. he'd look pretty good yeah. to me. All right, Nee Davis, two... How is Brian Kelly's quote-unquote renewed energy on the sidelines? I mean, it worked with the team, right? They're, they they could not have had a worse start defensively. They totally kept up all hustle and trying as hard as they can, rotating guys in and out and having, not like fun, but aggression. Um, no, I, I really think that uh, the message got through, though. The, the, the oh, defense played way differently, and it's better that the defense, I was wrong, I thought they would come out and look great. And then, but they were it was the other they, way, the other way around. Better, That's way better because anyone can start. Well. That's a good point. Yeah, that's it's, a good point. It's much better to settle in and play good defense for the second, third, and fourth quarter than man. They got to stop to start this game. No, it's they looked awful at the beginning. I was readjusting the formula already. I thought I was going to have to go up to four. Yeah, but touchdowns. it was interesting <laughs> to hear. It was interesting to hear Kelly after the game talk about how it was like an option team and it needs some time to get to the speed of the game. I, as far as the renewed energy, I guess it was. Good. I mean, there. I was. I wanted to see not just oh, he's gonna like tear <laughs> into people more. I want to see him actually celebrate when stuff went well, and it seemed like that happened. So <laughs> I feel like sometimes we don't see a ton of that. We just and that maybe that's just a, a a TV camera thing. But like, I see him ripping people way more than I see him giving high fives or hugs. I'm not saying he needs to know Greg Hudson and try to like. Body bump. You don't want the, you know the Corwin Tom, Brown leaping Tom body Herman bump? gives him kisses. Yeah, that's fine too. Um, but at least, at least celebrate. <laughs> Brian, Brian Kelly would walk and kiss he his does, entire Jack, roster. They could be 5-0 right now. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it, you, you're the. It's got to go. It's got to cut both ways. Yeah. You know, if you're gonna have fun, like have it. <laughs> Enjoy when something goes yeah. well. They did that. Yeah, you know. I mean, <laughs> here we go. Head coach, head coach, well, I mean, head coach has a lot on his mind. It's difficult to celebrate the successes when you know 
that you got to be ready for the next play. I, you know, I don't I mean know. like drive ending types. Like there was a play where I think Anawalu almost tipped it, and then the receiver actually dropped it in the end zone. It was in the second half. Would have been a touchdown. Yeah. And Kelly just like put his arms over his head, huge smile on his face. Right. He was excited. Right. That's cool. I mean, you need to see that. Gracie asked, how impressed were you with the new guys rotating in? It was exciting to see some fresh blood, but I have no idea how they really performed. <laughs> I, w- I was most impressed with how organized it was, and that was because they just rotated by series. You very rarely saw guys shuffling in and out by play, uh, and I think that's a much better way to do it. It makes it easier on the guys coming in and out. Uh, makes it easier on the coaching staff. You're not, you know, getting in a 12 men on the field situation, and you can actually line up, look to the sideline, get the play, and play it, which is just it's far superior to like the just cluster that it was much of the season so far. I think my takeaway is how they schematically use their corners. They finally changed something up. They don't have Sean Crawford. They don't have Nick Watkins, and they couldn't keep using Nick Coleman the way he had been playing. So they had Dante Vaughn. On the side where Edatalo most often lines up. That's all they did. They didn't ask him to follow him, but through tape review, Brian Kelly told us he usually lines up over there. They put big Dante Vaughn on him. They gave Troy they pulled Troy Pride's red shirt to get him out there. He's clearly gonna be part of the plan. Yeah. And they got Cole Luke at nickel, which was practiced all of the spring, just in case Sean Crawford got hurt, and then wasn't used after Sean Crawford got hurt for the two games they lost. Just think how much they would have to offer if you still had Sean Crawford and can still press with him. The plan with Vaughn was great because you didn't put he didn't press. Yeah, it wasn't he asked didn't, to yeah, I mean, chase yeah, he didn't. Like... And I I I'm still a bit surprised they didn't go to Edatawa a little bit more yeah. in the second half deep. I mean, because you still have Notre Dame safeties back there. And, you know, I mean they're they're uh they don't have a lot of prowess in that in that area. So um yeah, I mean I think I it was just it was a good plan. Yeah, I mean it was a good plan all the way around and I thought guys like you know, Bonner and Jay Hayes made a yeah, difference. That was a good one to bring Bilal up. was a guy that there was one time uh, Strickland had an 18 yard run, and Bilal just watched him run right by him as he pushed on a pile. Then on the next play, he filled the hole and stuffed Strickland. So bad play, great response yeah. to that, and that to me, that's when you're looking at a at a player. How's he respond to something bad happening to him? You're gonna have plenty of, and I'm not being saying this sarcastically. You're gonna have plenty of times to watch the game. Where you're like, oh, they gotta take him out. That was a bad play. But when you respond like that, right? That's just what you're gonna get this year is growing rookies. I think it's a good situation when you know you don't come out for a bad play too, because yeah. you're just in for the series unless you jump off side. Unless which you jump off side, <laughs> yeah. happen a lot. Just because they're that, so that, excited that, to have fun, I am okay. <laughs> With getting your butt on the sideline. It's so right. much fun to be had. Dip 98. As Pete mentioned, it seems there's been significant overestimation of the defensive talent on the roster by both the coaching staff as well as the recruiting services. Your thoughts on why there's been a multi-year, multi-position defensive talent misjudgment that could very well set the program back. I guess i got to start because I, I didn't agree last week, kind of. Notre Dame doesn't have the defensive talent to stop Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Louisville, Houston, and a couple of those other teams along the way, like apparently Washington. They don't match up with Washington, <laughs> Michigan. But look, they have played Texas. They should be. They have enough defensive talent to be five and zero, don't they? With this offense, six and zero with NC State. Do they not? Uh, at, I mean, least could, four, could, at least four. At least four. Could one. they be four and one at least? Could. Yes. Should they be four and Should, one with these no. defensive talent? You don't think so? I don't know. I just don't. I mean, look, <laughs> when you're playing 
we're we just watched game five. It's not just development. And they though. threw out four freshmen in the secondary at once. That is a real indictment of what you've been doing the last few years in recruiting and developing. Yeah, you know, they should have a senior, a junior, and a sophomore that they dismissed injured and injured starting, though. Sure. So these guys did have to kind of step up and play. Now, they're still a little... I mean, I'm not saying they've recruited safeties well. They've recruited corners pretty well in that Nick Watkins... Nick Watkins was one corner that came in that year, and it looks like they're one for two in the Crawford year, but uh, it could be. You never know with Ashton White going forward. But that is a start. I mean, as a reserve corner, he could be fine, but... Sure. I don't know. I think that these. Do you think that I don't think they're along the lines of these defenses we're watching on ABC's eight o'clock football game between Louisville and Clemson? Clearly not. not. But don't you think player development over the last three years has been worse than recruiting over the last three years on defense? Um, I mean, based on safety and defensive line, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's definitely a, an issue of mm. both. Um, and I you know, made this point last week. It's it's not just the guys that they got. It's the guys that they wanted that they didn't get. They didn't get that also have not panned out. Um, so it's difficult for me to look at that and feel like they really knew what they were doing. But, again, I, I think it goes back to, why is your why is the talent in your defense so hodgepodge? Your coordinator didn't, didn't recruit it very hard and probably wasn't a great evaluator either. I think there's a couple things at issue here. Number one, you have a secondary that doesn't have Max Redfield and Sean Crawford in it. And Nick Watkins. And Nick Watkins. Yeah. I think that that group would look a lot different. Secondly, sure. if you thought Notre Dame's defensive line was going to be top-notch going into this season, you need to read irishillustrated.com more closely <laughs> because we we have been telling you that Jerry Tillery and Andrew Trombetti are not tough enough and that Jerron Jones is not tough enough on a consistent basis. That's three-quarters of your projected defensive line. Which is what makes it even more inexplicable that BBG wasn't playing Jay Hayes once he became healthy. The only that, the only explanation for Jay Hayes that he registered last year was that it wasn't on the field all around. There's no way. There's no way they just felt they should redshirt Jay Hayes after. I know they burned his freshman season in game 11. Yeah. There's no way they decided that they didn't need a backup defensive lineman all year and looked at Jay Hayes and had him healthy and decided not to play. I wonder... Uh, because Jay Hayes admitted in the preseason that his grades had right, that, and, and it, it wouldn't be the first time that Kelly was like, you know what, you need to get your stuff together off the field because and that's I can't great. Play that's yeah. what that ultimately is what a head football coach's right. sure. job in college is to do. That's great. Yeah, I just look. I, I look at this defense. It's been the recruiting has been very hodgepodge. I mean, when you're playing that many freshmen at once, that's not a good thing. It never is a good thing. <sighs> yeah. And I, I don't know. It's I, I have a hard time looking at this defense and not coming away thinking like, man, I, I thought these guys were better than they are. Um, like, and just sort of chalking it up to like, oh, I, I just had a bad read here. My bad. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Still like the linebacker, linebacker core. Yes. And I think, I like, yeah, I think uh, Syracuse's linebacker core is kind of interesting. It kind of mirrors strengths and weaknesses of the two teams on defense. That's a pretty good... Um, linebacker core, even though their two outside linebackers are weigh 22 pounds less than Deshaun Kaiser. Oh, really? One last thing. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> One so last thing on this good. note, because Tim, you brought up the point of like, well, you know, they're not like at Alabama or Clemson, and you know, and that's and that's fine and totally true. That's sort of how I'm viewing things. I look at that sure. to me is more rel- in some ways is oddly more relevant than like, was your defense should have been good enough to beat Duke? Yes, yes, it should have. 
but it wasn't. Um, but like when I look at big picture, Notre Dame needs to be much closer to those those hypothetical teams. Sure, sure. Down the road, and they're just not not close. All right, our last question, Elroy Kona. It appears there are some modifications going on in defense. So, which players do you expect to benefit most from that this year in the post BVG era? Well, I think we we've touched upon a lot of these guys. I mean, I think the modifications are you know a little bit uh, a little bit more diversity up front based upon what we saw Saturday. We saw when he went to a four man front, we saw more twists, which was something that we observed in uh, the Purdue defense last mm-hmm. year with Greg Hudson in it. Not that that's any great revelation, but they did that a little a couple bit years more. Ago, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I really like the way. And Pete, I think you make a good point in saying, you know, you, you instead of switching guys during a series, bring that group in. They kind of went on the field, knowing, okay, in this series we're going to do this. That's ownership of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you can kind of hone in a little bit more on, you know, because early in the game, Anwalu really wasn't up on the line of scrimmage a whole lot and was helping with pass coverage. As the game progressed, they moved him up, brought him off the edge, brought Cole Luke off the edge, uh, brought Morgan off the edge one time. I thought, considering they had three basically three days of practice preparation, that they had a pretty good variety. And, and as you point out, Pete, they looked pretty organized yeah, for a defense like, that was making so many transitions in so many different areas. If you're going to get beat... Don't get beat logistically, right. which is kind of yeah. what I felt like they were do- getting beat <laughs> That's earlier. That's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it was interesting to watch Niles Morgan line up essentially as a cornerback on some plays because um, that's just where his guy went yeah. out to. Um, you know, and moving forward, I'm sure teams are going to be like, well, if this is hard to play, this is this is our counterpunch. Syracuse didn't really have a counterpunch to that uh, on Saturday, but moving forward, teams probably will. Two things. I think Pete's uh, conversation with Drew Tranquil hit home for the whole defense, and they have decided to eliminate all those crazy checks they needed. Tranquil said, you know, that Pete Sampson said, we could maybe play with fewer checks, and all the coaching is really, yeah, that's the way to do it. Let's just go try that. Let's not check on everything. Niles, go guard that guy. But I really think that the corners, I'm, I'm hopeful of this, the corners were terrible in September. If you graded the corners in September, they'd get an F. Well, I, no, I disagree. The cornerbacks, against, Nick Coleman, Cole Luke, I, Cole, against Texas, Michigan State, and Duke. Uh, I'd say would, Cole Luke against Texas was very, very good. Sean Crawford was Cole, excellent. Okay, Cole, but, Luke against, then, the, Cole Luke against Michigan State. But then his worst game is lifetime. So I think Vaughn, Pride, Luke, and Love will have a better October and November than the corners had in September. September, September yeah, at least. In all of September, yeah. Okay. Just because, yeah. I mean, Texas... Texas had a problem at corner. Just because one was good doesn't mean the other one didn't give up a lot of plays. And it touched, yeah, you know, the, like, the position overall. The position you're, overall. I mean, you're yeah, absolutely I don't right on that. Hey, you could have Cordell Hudson on your, your team and then you'd really be in trouble with <laughs> yeah. corner. That poor kid. I mean, I really felt sick. Watch his body language as you go through it's the game. It's a bad position to get beat at. <laughs> oh, man, that poor kid from Syracuse. Yeah, and they're no place to hide, man. They're not nope. running anybody in to replace them. You're out there, kid. Go Speaking on. Speaking of getting beat logistically. <laughs> yeah. That's another team dealing with some injuries in the secondary, but not dealing with them nearly as well. So, all right. Well, that's it for Irish Illustrated Insider Post Syracuse. Uh, we'll be back Thursday to preview NC State. Obviously, got a bunch of interviews during the week, Kelly players, all that. So, until then, Tim Priester, Pete Sampson, Tim O'Malley, thanks for listening.